the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout, I am telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Flow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants, Incorporated. Where securities and investment advisory services are over to Next Financial Group, Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Now, with two weeks left, our attention is focused on Christmas and the holiday season. This year, the holiday season will be cautiously moving back more towards normal. I traveled down to Leesburg, Virginia to visit my boy and his family uh, for Thanksgiving. I see people are traveling again. Restaurants are full. Uh, my clients, I, they, they tell me they're going everywhere. I'm really, I'm really surprised. They're, uh, they say the airlines are full. The, uh, this Christmas season will certainly be better than the last Christmas, but remember, we're not back to normal yet. So the presence of the COVID virus, be it the Delta variant or this new Omicron variant, also still requires us to be careful. And also, it requires us the these vaccines. You know, having the two shots, uh, getting vaccinated with two shots, isn't the whole story. Now they're saying that the your uh, uh, their immunity falls off with time. So now's the time to also get to the drugstore or get to your doctor and get the booster shot too. So that'll give you basically a the most protection you're going to you, you're going to get, but even with that in mind, 
what you got to do is be careful. So uh, let's talk about with regard to spending for the Christmas present. <laughs> and we have to be careful there, too, not to become too excited and to get carried away with buying. Uh, we need to, to make the Christmas budget before we start shopping. Otherwise, the bills will come in in January and we'll be very sorry at that time. At that time, our New Year's resolution will be to spend less and save more. But that's a prepare for it. But if we focus on our, our family goals, uh, our plans for meeting these goals, we can draw up a budget for Christmas, you know, without breaking the bank. We have goals for the family, braces for the kids, special activities, goals, and, and music lessons and everything else. So you review these goals and you decide how much we can spend on Christmas without uh, damaging our long-term goals. Then we go out there, we spend that, exact, that amount, but no more, and then we can look forward to enjoying the Christmas season and celebrating the birth of Jesus. Then our only worry will be whether or not we have a white Christmas in Northeast Ohio. And in between our Christmas planning, uh, we can entertain ourselves by watching our investments, which did very well this week. <laughs> this week, global equities were mostly positive. In the U.S., the three major stock indices were decidedly up for the week. In the U.K. and the uh, European Union, the FTSE 100, that's the U. UK part of it, and the DAC, it's the German part, and the stock, uh, Europe 600, were all up for the week. And the Asian, in Asia, they were up for the week, too, both the uh, China-Shanghai uh, composite as well as Japan's Nikkei. Uh, on Friday, the three major U.S. Uh, stock indices closed at uh, 35,970.99. For the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that was up 4.02 for the week, 4.02% uh, for the week. And the Standard and Poor 500, uh, that closed at 4,712.02, and that was up 3.82% for the week. And the NASDAQ, Closed at 15,630.60, and that was up 3.61% uh, 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 for the week. So the big news this week was uh, uh, how inflation has uh, accelerated, and there are concerns about the price increase uh, may or may not be temporary. Uh, what they're saying is over the last couple of months, uh, we're seeing uh, a broader inflation, not just in very specialized items. In the U.S., the fiscal stimulus, you know, that's $6 trillion that the government handed out in terms of loans and unemployment benefits and checks since uh, this whole thing started in March of 2020. Uh, together with the uh, Federal Reserve's zero policy rate and, and direct bond purchases, uh, have kept the borrowing rates as low as possible. And uh, basically what you're seeing is that uh, um, that's inflated the stock market, inflated home prices, and basically inflated a lot of things that we buy in the economy. And 
also all that money has boosted our demand about three times what the average uh, growth rate would be. And as I mentioned previously, uh, U.S. personal consumption expenditures were up 7.4% so far this year. And that's creating a, a uh, recovery from the uh, COVID shutdown. Uh, and that recovery is basically stronger and broader than anticipated. And, you know, businesses and corporations, they were caught flat-footed and, uh, you know, and demand overwhelmed the production and, and the supply capabilities. And, of course, the production and supply capabilities were uh, increased because of the uh, COVID pandemic. They couldn't find the people. There was all sorts of sickness problems in the whole business. So in the United States, we see inflation increase, increasing. But this week, the published data from the Department of Labor for the Consumer Price Index for November, November uh, struck a nerve with the uh, CPI increase of uh, 6.8% over the previous uh, 12 months. So that's uh, that's the highest increase since 1982 and over the last, basically over the last 40 years. So they came out with their consumer price index information and for November, uh, uh, prices went up uh, eight-tenths of 1%. For the month of November, and 6.8% over the last uh, 12 months ending in November. If we compare that to October, uh, what we see in a, the previous month, uh, the prices went up uh, nine tenths of one percent uh, for October, the month of October, and 6.2% for the uh, 12 month period ending in October. Now, if we go back to September, uh, September only showed a four-tenths of a percent uh, increase in uh, prices in uh, that month. And uh, looking back for a 12-month period that ended in uh, September, uh, the prices were up only, well, up only. They were up 5.4%. So uh, what you're looking at there is the... CPI numbers, the annual CPI numbers have gone from 5.4% in September to 6.2% in October to 6.8% in November. So that is a bit of a concern, And uh, but uh, the uh, stocks rolled right through it. Uh, the uh, If we take a look at the core CPI, core uh Consumer Price Index, that's where they exclude food and fuel, uh, which are probably one of the most volatile parts of the uh, of the things we buy. Uh, that also topped expectations because the core CPI for November was up uh, five-tenths of 1% for the month and 4.9% uh, basically for the last uh, uh, 12 months ending in November. So what you're seeing there is that uh, um, inflation is, is coming up. Uh, the uh, the, the uh, Federal Reserve will probably address this problem or try to address it at their meeting next week. They're going to have a Federal Open Market Committee meeting 
uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. And uh, there they'll wrestle through their plans with uh, tapering their bond buying operation. You know, people have been pointing their finger at, uh, hey, there's, uh, uh, we're going to have to tighten up the economy and there's just too much money floating around. And uh, uh, this is one of the things that, you know, they, they, you know, when they, in March of 2020, when this uh, crisis hit, uh, the government began to throw money out into the hands of the people and the uh, Federal Reserve. Uh, made interest rates as low as possible, and um, that both of those things are basically coming back to haunt us right now. And right now, the plan, the uh, Federal Reserve plan, uh, the uh, last month they were buying 120 billion dollars a month of bonds, both Treasury and mortgage-backed securities, and they were doing that to keep the longer maturity uh, bond rates down and uh, the Federal Reserve has absolute control over the overnight rates and those those rates were basically at zero, somewhere between zero and one quarter of one percent. So what they're going to do now, the last time they met was in November and at that time they said, okay, we're going to start tapering this bond buying operation. Uh, by about $15 billion, uh, a month. So in uh, uh, October, they bought $120 billion of uh, bonds. And then in this, uh, and then in November, they bought $105 billion. And probably in December, they'll be buying $90 billion. And the idea here is to keep tapering it, your bond buying operation, until they get down to zero sometime in the middle of next year. And at that time, they'll wait a while, and then they'll begin to raise the uh, short-term interest rate, the federal funds rate. And the plan there was to start raising it sometime in the second half of next year and raise it by 1% per year in you know several steps during the year. They would just lay in a 1% increase. But, you know, there might be three two or three steps during that year where they accumulate an increase of 1% per year starting in the, let's say, in the second half of uh, 2022 to the uh, second half of 2023. So it would be up 1% at that time. Then and over the next year, we go up another 1%. And the goal was to get to 2.5%. And they would probably get there by by the uh, middle of 2025. So when they start raising that federal funds rate, all the interest rates begin to increase. So that 3% uh, for a 30-year loan uh, will basically, mortgage rates will, probably, will go away. It'll go up. It'll go up probably to 5 or 6%, where, which is not unusual. That's what we bought our houses at. So uh, people can live with that. And uh, what we're looking at is uh, uh, they're going to have to decide when they meet Tuesday and Wednesday of this week whether they want to uh, taper this thing faster. Uh, there's been suggestions that, hey, rather than uh, tapering at $15 billion per month, we go up to $30 billion per month. Uh, so we'll see what comes out of the meeting in terms of uh, 
their plans for uh, tapering the bond buying. When they start to taper the bond buying, the longer maturity rates will begin to ease up slowly. Uh, it'll basically steepen the yield curve, but the yield curve will still be anchored at uh, uh, the overnight rate of zero to one quarter to one percent until they begin to raise that. So we'll find out next week as to uh, they'll announce their what they agreed upon Wednesday. And this week there was uh, uh, was good news in terms of the job situations, availability of jobs. Uh, the Department of Labor posted their JOLTS report that stands for Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey. And that showed that uh, uh, at the end of uh, October, there were 11,033,000 open positions, uh, basically jobs. And uh, uh, what they're seeing is that uh, the number of open positions is moving forward at something like four to four hundred to five hundred thousand a month. So uh, the job openings continue to outpace the number of workers. According to the Department of Labor, there are approximately 6.9 million people who are unemployed and uh, also say that they want to work. Uh, uh, they're not drawing unemployment benefits. There's only about 2 million uh, people right now that are drawing the state unemployment benefits. And we'll talk about the details of that later in the show. And the uh, uh, also, the initial applications for unemployment benefits that tumbled last week to 184,000. So uh, that's the lowest it's been in quite a while. And the number of workers uh, continuing to draw state un- unemployment benefits currently stands at 1,992,000. Well, that's that's a long way from what it was in in March when 14 million. Uh, workers hit the street. That was March of last year. Uh, you know, and Congress, uh, they continue to, to wade through their critical milestones. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Well, let's not get into that. Uh, last week, uh, Congress passed a short-term extension of the federal government funding to keep the federal government open until February 18, 2022. At uh, that point, uh, in the future, Congress will have to address funding the federal government again. So uh, if you recall, uh, September 30th, they, they agreed to fund the government up to February 18th, uh, up to December 3rd, and then they're, now they've decided to fund it till February 18th. And uh, the president has signed the extension uh, you know, for that bill uh, uh, basically a week ago. Uh, this week, Congress worked on the next hurdle, and that was increasing the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling, presently, national debt presently stands at $29 trillion. trillion and to avert default of the national debt, they have to uh, get together and raise the debt ceiling. Now, there's there's right between... Republicans and Democrats, how they're going to do that. But apparently this week there was uh, tentatively good news in the sense that they determined a path forward. And uh, the process the Senate is working on is fairly unusual. 
and consists of two separate bills. And the Treasury Department has has told Congress and the president that they have until uh, December 15th to get the job done of raising the debt ceiling. But uh, there's a lot of other people that that uh, believe that they have until the end of December to get it done. So we'll talk about more of that uh, next week after they get a better, a cleaner definition of what they're going to do there. I read it and I, it, it was uh, fairly complex, uh, but it, at least they're moving in the right direction to, to raise the debt ceiling. Uh, the other things that they had on their plate at the, uh, the end of uh, September was to uh, uh, pass the uh, uh, the uh, infrastructure bill, and they did that, uh, but they still have this $2 trillion Build Back Better bill that uh, has passed the House of Representatives, and it's been sent on to the Senate, and according to the Senate Majority Leader, uh, Chuck Schumer, he wants to pass it before Christmas. Uh, well, you know, maybe. <laughs> they got a lot. They seem to have a lot to do in a very short period of time. I don't know what they've been doing. But uh, according to the uh, Washington Examiner, uh, yesterday the Congressional Budget Office estimated that the uh, the House version of the Democratic uh, Build Back Better climate and social spending bill would increase uh, uh, the federal deficit by $3 trillion over the next decade uh, if uh, temporary provisions are made permanent. So uh, that estimate uh, was requested by the Republicans who had criticized the the Democratic plan as being riddled with uh, budgetary gimmicks to make it appear to cost less. So the legislation has several spending items that sunset early, that basically stop early. They don't last for 10 years. And uh, that if made permanent, uh, would balloon the cost of the bill. So the initial scoring by the Congressional Budget Office, uh, where they they came out and they said that it will only increase the federal deficit by uh, $367 billion over the next 10 years, that only accounted for the legislation that's written, uh, the, the, with the sunset included. But uh, the controversy there is, uh, is what would happen if indeed we pass this and uh, we don't sunset these things like uh, uh, there are entitlements in there, like uh, the uh, pre-kindergarten uh, uh, child care and the uh, child uh, credits and things of this nature. So uh, what happens if we uh, do the whole 10 years? The Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, which advocates for lower deficit, is previously projected that the final cost of the Democratic uh, legislation over a decade, with all the temporary provisions made permanent, would be $4.9 trillion. So uh, that bill is landed on the Senate's doorstep, and uh, basically we'll see uh, uh, how they handle it. Uh, this guy, uh, this idea of getting it done by Christmas, I don't know who came up with that schedule, but it looks like it's uh, 
this looks like it's kind of a wish more than a real uh, demand. Uh, now, when we take a look at what happened this week in the stock market, what we see is that even though we got these surprises uh, concerning the uh, the uh, cost of living, and uh, we'll probably see more surprises next week when we take a look at the producer's price index, which uh, which is about 8.6% over the 12-month period. It'll go up. Uh, what we're going to see is that, hey, uh, these numbers were expected, and uh, uh, the, uh, they're looked at in light of what the basic economy is doing and basically what the stock market is doing. And what we're seeing in the stock market is basically uh, the companies are protecting their earnings uh, and uh, passing the costs on, be it labor costs, be it raw materials, all this, all these costs are getting passed down to the uh, uh, consumer. So, um, so basically, the economy is uh, strong and moving forward against these headwinds. Uh, the two headwinds are basically the COVID and be it the Delta or the uh, Omicron. And uh, uh, that's basically not over yet. We're still trying to fight our way through it. If you take a look at the latest uh, numbers, according to the, uh, in the U.S., the number of cases per day uh, is stands at 120,000 COVID cases per day, and that's an increase of 38% over the last two weeks. And hospitalizations, we have 63,000 uh, people in hospitals, and the number of deaths per day is 1,300 and uh, eight deaths per day, and that's gone up too. So in Ohio, uh, those numbers look like 7,200 7, cases per day, and uh, uh, that's gone up 41% in the last two weeks, and the number of hospitals are uh, 4,500, or let's say 4,600 hospitalized people, and the deaths per day are approximately 74. So what I mentioned before about uh, get your vaccination and get your booster shot and be careful. Uh, we're returning to normal, but we're not back to normal yet. So uh, the the other part of the uh, problem that the uh, economy and the stock market are moving through is cleaning up the supply chain mess, and uh, that's generating a significant part of the inflation, but not all of it. And uh, so what you see is that, hey, uh, the economy is strong. It's moving forward. People have jobs. People are getting jobs. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Federal Reserve is going to have to do something to get a handle on this inflation. They're going to try to get a handle on the inflation without slowing down the economy too much. So it's going to be a, 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 a good tightrope walk. And uh, as far as uh, how are you doing, you know, so much for the economy, uh, basically how are you doing in your goals? Uh, you do have a good job. You're looking for a better one. You know what your goals are in terms of the uh, family, in terms of the education of the kids, in terms of your retirement. Uh, basically, you're spending 
to meet your standard of living, uh, your saving and investing, to meet your long-term goals, and you're you're uh, paying attention to your health insurance and your life insurance to uh, protect yourself against the unknown. So uh, what you got to do is basically uh, keep track of those goals, keep track of what you're doing to meet those goals, and uh, um, act when uh, you see that there's problems. Make changes to your investments, uh, save more, uh, invest more, whatever it takes uh, to get to the goal. It's a balancing act, but uh, once you put it on a piece of paper and once you uh, get it down to the point where you know what's involved, then it's doable. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. Oh, yeah, this is Jim McAleese. You can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. You give me a call. We'll talk about your plan, any questions you have. Uh, and uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This morning, Jim Magley. It's wonderful hearing the Christmas music. Yes. <laughs> to me, we got to get into that Christmas spirit. And uh, uh, it'll be, like I said before, uh, we're, getting, we're moving back to normalcy, but we still have to be careful. So let's talk about what we talked about, what the big surprise was this week. And that was in the consumer price index. You know, all of us have been watching prices go up. You know, the first thing we notice are food and gasoline because we buy them on a regular basis. And uh, the uh, the Department of Labor reports, they put out their consumer price index report each month. And consumers are concerned because uh, prices have surged faster than expected uh, in uh, seven of the eight, uh, last eight months. So, uh, yeah, yesterday, the Department of Labor reported in their Consumer Price Index for November uh, 2021 that uh, uh, inflation accelerated in November. Uh, pandemic-related shortages of labor and materials continued to push up prices. 
um, the uh, the uh, consumer price index for November said that prices increased eight tenths of one percent uh, in one month in November, and over the last twelve months ending in November, they went up six point eight percent. If you take out food and fuel, uh, you end up with what they call the core consumer price index, which indicates that uh, prices went up uh, five tenths of one percent in November. And they went up uh, 4.9% in the 12 months that ends in uh, November. So uh, the one thing that uh, gives me a a little bit of hope, I hope it's not just uh, grasping for straws, is that I'm taking a look at the November CPI and the October CPI numbers. And uh, basically last month, the consumer price index went up um, nine tenths of one percent uh, for the month. And this month, November, not this month, but November, it went up eight tenths. So it's not going up as fast per month in November as it did in October. And um, that's true for also true for the core consumer price index in uh, in uh, October. It went up six tenths of one percent for October, and only five tenths of one percent for November. Now, that's not a uh, <laughs> that's a thin straw to be holding, hold, grasping onto. Uh, but uh, hopefully, uh, maybe the inflation has uh, peaked, but uh, we'll see. So, uh, what we're seeing here is uh, uh, an unusually high demand. Is a, is a critical factor that's driving higher inflation. You know, spending jumped at 11.9% pace in the second quarter as more people received their COVID vaccinations and businesses reopened and trillions of dollars of federal aid coursed through the economy. And uh, uh, that consumer, that ignited consumer spending which has basically gone through September, October, November. Uh, the shortage of workers, that's driving up wages and putting pressure on companies to raise prices. Uh, the, uh, take a look at the restaurant prices over you know, the last uh, few months. Everybody's passing through their higher prices, uh, just going right down through the uh, uh, production line. So. Companies are struggling with scarce material uh, caused by, you know, messed up uh, supply chains as well as disrupted production. And, uh, uh, you know, we have everything from uh, China shutting down entire cities and shutting down entire ports. Uh, they get the uh, shipping is... Uh, uh, they can't get enough empty boxes back to Asia uh, to ship the materials over here. We've got problems with the, the shortage of truck drivers. All this is, is obvious reasons that basically prices are going up. And uh, uh, even the independent, the Federation of Independent Businesses, these are the small business people, they indicated that in uh, November, some 53% said that they were raising prices. So everybody's into the act, so to speak. And uh, 
what you're seeing in the consumer price index is uh, the uh, the index of all items, uh, less food and energy, rose five tenths of a percent in November, following a six tenths of a percent increase in October. So shelter went up, used cars, used trucks, new vehicles, uh, household furniture, furnishing. Uh, apparel, just about everything went up. Uh, the uh, the only thing that went down was uh, a motor vehicle insurance. And uh, then, uh, if you take a look at the at the uh, numbers, I just uh, look at uh, that report, it shows that. From November of 2020 to November of 2021, the items in the uh, basket of goods for, and, and services for the Consumer Price Index went up uh, 6.8% in one year. And in one month, in the month of uh, November, it went uh, up 8 tenths of 1%. Uh, then we take a look and say, okay. Uh, how did food did? How did food uh, do? And food is 14% of that basket of items that we buy every year. That went up 6.1% over the year, and over the, the month of November, it went up seven or seven cents of one percent. If you have food at home. It went up 6.4%. And the biggest number in that uh, food category was um, uh, meats, poultry, fish, and eggs. Meats, poultry, fish, and eggs went up 12.8% in the 12 months ending in November. And it went up 9 tenths of 1% in the month of November. If we take a look then again, about the, let's, let's look at the other categories. Uh, so food was 14% of the uh, basket. Energy is 7.5% of the basket. And energy prices went up 33.3% over the last 12 months, or 3.5% in one month, and that was in November. So if you take a look at uh, heating oil, uh, heating oil went up... Uh, uh, went up 59.3%, and for the month, it went up 3.5%. Gasoline went up 58% over the last 12 months, ending in November. And uh, in the month of November, it went up 6.1%. Natural gas, which you use to heat your home, that went up 25.1% over the last 12 months. And then you get into other things like, uh, well, how about used cars and trucks? Used cars and trucks over the last year have gone up 31.4%. Uh, and for the month of November, it went up 2.5%. Um, new vehicles, if you get them, uh, they went up 11.1% over the last 12 months and 1.1% for November. And then, what else have we got here? There's, there's the shelter category. The biggest category 
in the consumer price index is sheltered, and that accounts for 32.4% of the 100%. So uh, uh, shelter is going to go up. Uh, it, it has gone up, according to the statistics, it's gone up 3.8% over the last uh, 12 months. And uh, supposedly it's gone up one half of one percent for the uh, month of November. But uh, there's a problem in delay in terms of these housing prices, particularly, you know, the housing prices uh, either involve uh, what they call the rent, uh, the uh, rent of the primary residence where they're asking the people to uh, estimate how much it would cost that they would or to rent out their house and also the uh, owner's equivalent rent of the residence. Both of these numbers are uh, low. You know, they're three, they're still three and a half, they're 3.8%, but they're rising because the rents are rising very quickly. Uh, it's not unusual, particularly. Uh, you know, with home prices going up nationally at uh, 20%. And the last numbers I saw for the Cleveland metropolitan area were something like 14.5%. Uh, the rents are also going up fast, too. So even though, you know, in our spending programs, you know, the money we spend every week and every month, uh, we really don't include the price of housing, but we do include the price of rents, and the price of rents are going up. So just about everywhere you look, uh, prices have gone up. The only thing, that, the only negative number I see in this whole thing is that airline fares over the last year have gone up 3.7%, but in the month of November, they went up 4.7%. So... Uh, to me, it is a matter of uh, prices going up, and uh, uh, people are noticing it. Uh, people are looking at it and saying, no, oh, what's going to happen in the future? Uh, one place we looked at is the uh, Survey of Consumer Sentiment. Uh, That's from the uh, survey from the University of Michigan. And what they're saying is that uh, uh, in November, the... Uh, Consumer sentiment index stood at 67.4, and it rose to 70.4 in December. And according to the survey of the chief economist, Richard Curtin, uh, these are there are two things that he noticed in the survey results. I'll just read you the. I won't read you the whole thing. I'll just read two parts. The two parts that are pertinent. Uh, here it is. Quote, when directly asked whether inflation or unemployment was the most serious problem facing the nation, 76% selected inflation, while just 21% selected unemployment. Uh, the, uh, the balance reported the problem were equal, and they couldn't choose one or the other. But the vast majority uh, said inflation is the most uh, important or serious problem. The dominance of inflation over unemployment is true for all income, age, education, region, and political subgroups. So everybody is noticing the inflation. 
while a shift in policy emphasis is necessary, it's going to be difficult to gauge the right balance between fiscal and monetary policies that both trims inflation and maintains the uh, unemployment uh, uh, rate near its current low levels. So uh, that's the, the thing I mentioned before about uh, part of it is walking this tightrope. Uh, the, the government and the Federal Reserve have gone to extreme uh, measures in order to get the economy rolling again after shutting it down in uh uh, February, March, and April of last year. And what they don't want to do, but uh, they're, they're having problems with inflation. What they don't want to do is uh, cure the inflation problem by tightening up the uh, uh, the uh, monetary uh, area to the point where they cause a uh, recession. So it's going to be uh, a tightrope for them. And uh, let's go on to the the rest of Richard Curtin's uh, information. Quote, the pandemic recession had an impact on personal finances like uh, no other crisis in more than uh, half a century. Uh, Future financial valuations are being decreased primarily because inflation uh, as nearly half of all consumers expect falling inflation, uh, inflation-adjusted incomes during the year ahead. So people are looking a year looking ahead and saying, oh, "What's that going to do to my standard of living?" Uh, this divergence provided financial support to the holiday spending spree, uh, but in the months ahead, many may turn their focus to changes in wages and prices. The inflationary erosion of living standards are currently reported by one in four households, and those inflation-driven cutbacks have continued to spread to uh, the different classes of people in the survey, the middle-aged, the middle-income, and the middle-educational group. So uh, what you're seeing is people are paying attention to inflation and what inflation is going to do to their income. this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Flow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. I love those J-I-N-G-L-E bells. Oh, those holiday J. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Hi, Jim. Yes. Jim, Leonard gave us a call just now, and I love his question. He said he and his wife are not uh, Mr. and Mr. and Mrs. Tesla or Mr. and Mrs. Buffett. 
Uh, They're not in that tax bracket by any stretch of the imagination. But he would like to know what are some simple things that they can do with their money before the end of the year. Okay. Uh, Good question. You know, the the, uh, thing to do is basically uh, if you got a 401k retirement plan or you got your SEP IRAs and your health savings account, any any place to put your savings or investment money or retirement money, actually retirement money, uh, before the end of the year, uh, you should do it. Uh, and uh, that way you could defer income and, uh, uh, and uh, also with regard to charitable deductions. Uh, uh, this year only, uh, I think it stops at the end of this year, uh, you can deduct uh, cash donations of up to $600 for joint filers or $300 for single filers. And uh, this uh, uh, deduction uh, for non-itemizers is below the line, so it reduces the taxable income but not the, uh, uh, but not the adjusted gross income. Uh, the other thing to do is uh, if you're... Uh, into the uh, into the required uh, minimum distribution time frame, or even before that, uh, there's a uh, qualified charitable deduction. Let's say you're you're uh, over seventy and a half, and uh, you're you want to give a, a donation to the church or charity of your choice and stuff like that, and. Uh, you can use part of your uh, retirement money in your IRA or wherever, principally the IRA, to do this. And what you do is uh, uh, take a portion of your retirement money, if you're over 70 and a half, and uh, uh, send it off, have the, have the uh, financial institution send that money off to your uh, charity. And uh, it has to go direct. Most cases, it goes directly from the financial institution to the uh, uh, charity. We recommend to our clients that they they have the financial institution uh, make the check out to the charity, but send the um, send the uh, check to them at their house so they can include a note that says who the uh, who the check is really coming from. You know, the check will say it's coming from the mutual fund or the uh, brokerage account, and it goes to payable to the, the church or the, the charity. Um, but a lot, a lot of times it doesn't have their name on it. So there's a mystery as to who's giving the money. And uh, so that's one way around that. The other thing to do always before the end of the year is to take a look at your... Uh, uh, in your after-tax accounts, your non-retirement accounts, take a look at your uh, gains and losses. Now, this year, uh, you know, what you're going to see is most of your, uh, certainly your stock funds have shown gains. Uh, maybe in your bond funds, you'll see some losses. So uh, what you do is uh, uh, convert that to real losses, sell that uh, fund convert it to a real loss and use that against some of your capital gains that you have. Or 
Maybe you don't want to use it against the capital gains. Maybe you don't want to sell anything. Uh, you can use $3,000 of that loss against uh, ordinary income, and you can carry the losses uh, forward. So if you got, uh, you know, it's called harvesting uh, your uh, losses. So that's one thing to do before the end of the year. Uh, another thing that uh, I mentioned that uh, that uh, sending the uh, retirement money uh, to that qualified charitable distribution, I mentioned that uh, the way that that works is that let's say you want to give $2,000 to a charity, you're over 70 and a half. Um, uh, in, in, I'm not making a mistake here in terms of, uh, you know, everybody associates 72 with the required minimum distributions, but when they changed the law, they didn't change that seven and a half. So even if you're not taking your required minimum distribution, but you're over uh, 70 and a half, then you can give part of your retirement money, $100,000, I would advise to give $100,000 away, but up to $100,000 to a legitimate uh, charity. What that does is that, so you take, uh, you want to give the the church uh, $2,000 or something, Uh, you have that check sent to uh, you and you'll forward it to the, uh, the church with a little note that says um, who's making this contribution, and uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't cost you any tax. They're not taxing this thing. So take the two thousand dollars out and give it away. Uh, let's say you're doing the required minimum distribution and you're supposed to be taking out ten thousand. Well, you take out the ten thousand, give the two thousand uh, away to the a charity, and you got the other eight thousand, which you'll have to pay tax on. You don't have to pay the tax on the two thousand dollars. So it's an idea that uh, helps you uh, uh, make you make those charitable distributions without having to to pay the tax on them. So uh, the uh, and it, it a lot of my clients do that, and uh, just make sure you do that. Uh, I would say do it now if you're going to do it because it takes time for the financial institutions to get the money out the door, so to speak. Okay. Uh, this is Jim Magdalene. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. But the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. Well, this is Jim McAleese again. And uh, the one thing I wanted to mention was that, hey, if I take a look at this jolt report, you know, there's there's something like 11, uh, 11 billion. Uh, job openings out there. So uh, if you're afraid to get back into the job market, uh, don't be afraid. You know, there's more uh, uh, jobs opening in, in manufacturing and trade, transportation, uh, warehousing, uh, business uh, applications, health, and, and everything else. There's, there's thousands and thousands of jobs out there. So just... Get moving and get out there and get the job done. So uh, there's never been so many jobs. And I think it's the highest on record. 
So um, this is Jim McAleese. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. In, the, in this Christmas season, now here's a story about uh, appreciating the gifts that God has given us. There was a, the story goes like this. A junior high school student was studying the seven wonders of the world. At the end of the lesson, the students were asked to list what they considered to be the seven wonders of the world. Now, there was some disagreement the following received the most votes. Well, uh, the Great Pyramids of Egypt, the Taj Mahal, uh, the Grand Canyon in Arizona, the Panama Canal, the Empire State Building, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, China's Great Wall. That was seven. When gathering the votes, the teacher noted that one student, a quiet girl, hadn't turned in her paper yet. So she asked the girl if she was having trouble with her list. And the little girl replied, Yes, a little. I couldn't quite make up my mind because there were so many. The teacher said, well, tell us what you have and maybe we can help. The girl hesitated and then read, I think the seven wonders of the world are to touch, to taste, to see, to hear. She hesitated a little and then added, to feel, to laugh, and to love. The room was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. May this story serve as a gentle reminder to all of us that the things we overlook as and ordinary are often the most powerful. And we don't have to travel anywhere special to experience them. So this Christmas season, enjoy the gifts of Until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Clothes, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. 2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.